chapter one sections one through five of the marvels of divine grace by alice lady lovett this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter one on the nature of grace section one the grace of god is a ray of divine beauty infused from heaven into the soul of man and penetrating its innermost nature with such brilliancy and power that the soul delights the eye of god is most tenderly loved by him is adopted as his child and is elevated above natural limits from earth to heaven by grace the soul is received into the bosom of the eternal father and at the side of his son participates in his nature his life and glory and inherits the realms of his eternal happiness the angel of the schools teaches that the whole world and all it contains is of less value before god than the grace of a single man and saint augustine maintains that the whole of heaven together with all angels cannot compare with it how infinitely superior in value therefore is grace to all the riches and pleasures of the world and yet how often do men more rash and foolish than esau lose an inheritance immeasurably greater than his for the sake of a momentary enjoyment be astonished o ye heavens at this and ye gates thereof be very desolate jeremiah chapter two verse twelve we disregard grace because we permit ourselves to be too deeply impressed by our senses with the transitory things of this life and have but a superficial knowledge of true and heavenly things if we did but approach the inexhaustible fountain of divine grace we should learn to esteem and admire it and accordingly as st john chrysostom says we should carefully and zealously guard it let us then with the divine assistance begin the praise of the glory of his grace ephesians chapter one verse six section two the least prerogative of grace is that it is infinitely above all natural things heaven and earth shall pass away according to the assurance of our saviour says st augustine but the salvation and justice of the elect will remain for the former contain only the works of god the latter the image of god st thomas again teaches that it is a greater work to bring a sinner back to grace than to create heaven and earth for the objects of the latter work are temporary the former work is so much greater because it leads to the participation in the immutable divine nature in creation god erects for himself a dwelling only in giving man a rational nature he places his servants and his creatures in this dwelling but when he gives man his grace he receives him into his bosom makes him his child and communicates to him his own eternal life again grace is a gift which no created nature can possess of itself or even lay claim to 
for it belongs alone properly speaking to the highest nature of god himself thus the greater number of theologians maintain that god cannot produce a created being that would from its nature already possess grace they even say that if we should suppose such a creature it would not differ from god himself the church accordingly teaches that neither man nor any other creature bears in his nature even the least germ of grace and st augustine remarks that nature is related to grace in the same way as inanimate matter is to living organisms lifeless matter cannot itself give life but must receive it from another living being in like manner the rational creature has not of itself any grace and cannot acquire it by its own labour and merits god alone can from pure love give this grace by opening the abyss of his omnipotence and pouring out his divine power upon his creature grace is as a heavenly light which diffuses itself from the depths of the divinity on the rational creature the sun pours down its light on the earth and our nature like the earth receives the rays of the divine sun and becomes glorified and illuminated by them now as god whom we possess by grace not only contains within himself the perfection of all things but is infinitely more perfect than all things put together so grace is more precious than all created things to despise these great things which are offered to us by god with such tender love would be to draw down upon ourselves the punishment of the men in the gospel who having been invited to the king's banquet made frivolous excuses to stay away and brought down his just ire upon them even if we do not go to the length of forfeiting all god's favour and his graces by mortal sin still what folly it would be if we abstain from the opportunities he gives us of increasing their precious store even if we do not offend god by omitting to assist at mass on weekdays or by neglecting an opportunity of prayer or a work of mercy or of self-abnegation or mortification nevertheless we suffer an immense loss if we do not increase this heavenly capital by these means because the least degree of grace is worth more than all the riches of the world we are not required to shed our blood in this labour one sign is sufficient one earnest resolution one pious wish the holy name by which we express our love for him or invoke his assistance who would not gladly invoke jesus a thousand times a day if he could thereby obtain as many coffers of gold and yet what is gold untold in comparison to the spiritual treasures which god is prepared to bestow on us by means as simple and easy as these section three saint augustine commenting upon our lord's promise to his disciples 
that they should do yet greater things than he had done says this might be explained by the fact that st peter had healed the sick by his shadow passing over them which we do not read of as happening to our saviour but it is more probable he continues that we are to understand here the work of justification in which we can cooperate for ourselves and others for although we do not produce grace in ourselves yet we can with the divine assistance prepare ourselves for it and make ourselves worthy of it may encourage and induce others to do the same and thus we shall perform greater works than christ did through his miracles for his miracles were for the most part worked on the body and on visible things but by grace he works on the soul he elevates it above its nature implants in it the germ of a supernatural life and reproduces so to speak himself in it by impressing upon it the image of his own nature accordingly the work of grace is the greatest wonder of god's omnipotence it is greater than the creation of the world out of nothing and can only be compared with the unspeakable act of god the father in which he produced from all eternity his co-equal son and in time united with him a human nature as supernatural and sublime as is the generation of christ so is the infusion of grace into our souls whereby as saint leo says we participate in the generation of christ in working miracles the saints do but cooperate with god who acts through and by means of them but in grace we do more for god wills that we should with his assistance prepare our souls for it receive it from his hand preserve cultivate and increase it how wonderful is this favor which god grants us of taking one soul to himself as his spouse that by the power received from him she may produce in herself the image of god and become his child equally wonderful is the power which god has granted his church to communicate his grace to her children by her teaching and her sacraments no greater work can be given to man to accomplish than to labor to acquire and increase grace in himself and in his fellow-men oh if men could only realize the greatness of the act that is performed when by sincere contrition for their past sins they abandon their past and begin a new life if god has made you man saint augustine says and you with god's help make yourself a just man your work is better than that of god when our souls are in a state of grace every degree of grace that we acquire raises us higher above our nature and unites us more closely to god if we could reflect how every good work we perform has the power of increasing our grace and thus adding to our eternal happiness we should let no moment pass without loving god adoring him and uniting our acts and intentions with his 
we should even rejoice with the apostles that we are accounted worthy to suffer for the name of jesus the infusion and communication of grace is a miracle of the highest order why does it not excite our wonder and admiration only because it is invisible to our corporal sight and does not occur like other miracles rarely and exceptionally but universally and according to fixed laws section four the glory of heaven in which the blessed see and enjoy god is nothing else but the fruition of the grace given to us here below grace is the fountain springing up unto everlasting life it is the root of which the blossom and fruit is beatitude the wages of sin is death but the grace of god life everlasting says the apostle the saints have continually been transported out of themselves at the contemplation of the reward which awaited them saint isidore wept over the necessity to eat because he was compelled like animals to take bodily food whilst he was destined for the banquet of the blessed in heaven but great as the privilege is of participating with the saints in glory hereafter there is yet a greater one for by grace man participates in the uncreated divine nature to speak in more precise terms man in the state of grace is so superior to all created things because he is so near to god he participates of the prerogatives of god as a body partakes of the light and heat of fire in proportion to its proximity to the fire the fathers and doctors of the church are unanimous in ascribing this meaning to the words of st peter that by the most great and precious promises god hath made us by jesus christ we may be made partakers of the divine nature from this we are to understand that the prerogatives which are above all created nature and are due to the divine nature are as far as possible communicated to our nature the saints cannot find words to express the magnificence of this gift st denis says sanctity or sanctifying grace is a divine gift an inexpressible copy of the highest divinity and the highest goodness by means of which we enter a divine rank through a heavenly generation many of the holy fathers teach with st thomas that by grace we are in a manner deified and they apply to this mystery the words of our saviour i have said you are gods and all of you sons of the most high by the union with the son and the holy ghost says saint cyril of alexandria we all who have believed and have been likened unto god are partakers of the divine nature not only in name but in reality because we have been glorified with a beauty surpassing all created beauty for christ is informed in us in an indescribable manner not as one creature in another but as god in created nature christ transforms us the creature by the holy ghost 
into his image and elevates us to an uncreated dignity what is essential and substantial in god says st thomas exists in the soul which partakes by grace in the divine love as a quality superadded to its nature elsewhere the angelical doctor in agreement with st basil compares the soul to iron which is in itself cold black and hard and without beauty but when laid in a furnace becomes penetrated by its heat and without losing its own nature appears brilliant in colour flexible and red-hot god we know dwells in inaccessible light he is to use our human words a furnace of divine love god thus in descending to the creature he has made or receiving him into his bosom can without destroying the nature of man penetrate it with his divine light and heat so that its natural lowliness and defects disappear and it is seemingly absorbed altogether in god section five theologians say that a certain participation in the divine perfections is found in all things that god has created all things more or less resemble god in their existence in their life in their force or activity so that as the apostles teach the invisible glory of god may be seen and considered in created things but they differ much in their similarity in material things we see but the print of his footsteps they may reveal themselves as the work of his hands but they do not represent his nature our souls and all pure spirits such as the angels are by their very nature made to the likeness of the divine nature for like god they are spiritual rational and possessed of free will yet their nature is finite they are created out of nothing and if not upheld by their creator would fall back into nothingness the participation in the divine nature therefore which we enjoy by means of grace consists in this that our nature assumes a condition peculiar to the divine nature and becomes so similar to the deity that according to the fathers of the church it is in a sense deified we do not speak therefore of a dissolution of our substance in the divine substance or of a personal union with it such as existed in our divine saviour but only of a glorification of our substance into the image of the divine nature the truth lies in this that we are made by the power and grace of god something which god alone is by nature we are made to his likeness in a supernatural manner and our soul receives a reflux of that glory which belongs to god alone to understand better this likeness to god let us examine in order the prerogatives which distinguish the divinity from created natures let us first consider the eternal existence of god god only exists by himself eternal immutable and dependent on no one 
creatures are of themselves nothing they exist only because god has created them and maintains them in existence i am who am saith the lord and all nations are before him as if they had no being at all and counted to him as nothing and vanity isaiah chapter eleven verse seventeen all creatures even the immortal spirits would in virtue of their nature fall back into nothingness if not sustained by the will of god and his good pleasure grace therefore according to st paul is a new creation and the foundation of a new indestructible kingdom by means of which we are received into the bosom of the eternal god by the side of the eternal word by whose power the father hath created all things and who is co-eternal with him ephesians chapter two verse ten and hebrews chapter twelve verse twenty eight thus we are called to dwell in the tabernacle of god's eternity at the fountain of all being and of all life here our eternal existence is as secure as that of god himself here we need fear neither death nor destruction were heaven and earth to pass away the stars to fall from the heavens and the powers of heaven to be moved we should not be affected because we rest far above creatures in the bosom of the creator hence the book of wisdom says the just shall live for evermore and their reward is with the lord therefore shall they receive a kingdom of glory and a crown of beauty at the hand of the lord for with his right hand he will cover them and with his holy arm he will defend them wisdom chapter five verses sixteen and seventeen our first parents following the example of the fallen angels willed to be as god yea god himself wills that we be as he yet not without him not outside him nor opposed to him he wills not that we should make ourselves as other gods to adore ourselves or be adored he wills that we be as he but in his bosom at his heart he wills it through himself and in union with him as his own divine son who is not another god but one god with the father what therefore is the folly and crime of the sinner who rejects the infinite goodness and mercy of god and sets up his judgment and will in opposition to him End of chapter one section five